All right, welcome back to the Canadian Gumball Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Joining me today is none other than Coach Nick himself. Right, Coach, thanks so much for being here on the show. Thanks again for having me. All right, Coach Nick, I, I got I to gotta tell you, I, uh, I've been excited to hear what your opinion uh, might be on some of the subjects that have been coming up in the news lately. Uh, we've got a lot uh, to cover, but you know what, though? Right, uh, right off the hop, I want to get right into the SNC level in matter. All right. I'm really curious where to know. Where do we start? Where, where do we start? I mean, uh, for the people just joining us, I'll, I'll give you the Coles Notes version. Uh, you know, you've got a justice minister uh, that uh, is approached several times, uh, at least several times, by the prime minister's office. Uh, something is said, and an exchange occurs, and... Uh, very shortly thereafter, she's removed from that position, demoted to a, uh, another spot with Veterans Affairs. And the next uh, Minister of Justice that takes her place uh, smooths things over quite nicely, and everything uh, starts uh, going like tick-tock for the uh, PMO's office as it relates to the way they want to see things unfold as it relates to this SNC level in uh, matter. Uh, they've been charged, uh, I guess, uh, with uh, some issues relating to corruption abroad. Uh, not a, the first time. Not the first time. They have a long documented history of, uh, you know, some behavior that is a little less than ethical, uh, traveling around the world, uh, bidding on global uh, business contracts uh, for construction. And I understand they make jails, which is really convenient. I'm hoping, <laughs> I hope, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can contract them to build one here to hold the entire Liberal Party uh, at this stage. I'm, I'm That'd thinking... be a big jail. Yeah, you know what? Wow. You know what? I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it just has to be big enough. Fair enough. Just big enough. I'd like to see. I'd like to see them bring back the bread and water days. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm from that generation where you know the comforts of current uh, jail, solitary confinement. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of people talking about solitary confinement now, saying that it's really a bad thing and it's detrimental for people, you know, people's mental health. And uh, don't put yourself there. Well, you know, if if they're there because of behavioral issues and they got to be segregated from the population, I mean, it's just a natural byproduct of being a shit. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to believe that. You know, people are responsible for their own choices. That's something I believe. Uh, I think. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Not, not, not everybody seems to believe in that, though. I, accountability. You know, I, I truly believe. I'm, I'm from the '70s. If you, you know what? If you stepped out of line, you got to smack. I'm not saying that beating your kids is a good idea, although Russell Peters may be onto something when he <laughs> says that. But I, I really do believe that. You know. Uh, Proper discipline and uh, appropriate disciplinary measures are necessary. Well, yeah. I face it every day in the classroom. It's yeah. all about accountability. And, yeah. And teaching grade four and five, it's, it's I mean, it, to say it's a struggle every day, no. But to say that there's an increasing amount of kids that, that come uh, to my classroom every year that don't have a, a concept of what accountability is and I have to teach them that is, is bang on. And it's really unfortunate. Really? You know, you really see, you see, you see, you're seeing an increase then over the course of I've been, year this year? is my 12th year teaching. Yep. And if I compare day one to to now, it's like holy cow. Really? Oh, it's right. it's it's ridiculous. Like an explosion of growth or just a steady, steady growth? Steady, steady, steady growth. Yep. You know, I I gotta tell anyway. you, you know, the CGV doesn't have kids. Uh, you know, I've I've never been blessed with the uh, you know the gift of children. I have uh, 26 in my classroom. You know, every day. I, you're you're a madman. I don't know that I <laughs> I don't know that I would want to manage 2.6 of them. Uh, but you know, though, I, I I really I really do believe though. That we've currently got a prime minister in office that doesn't believe that the law applies to him and doesn't apply to the Liberal Party. Sure seems that way. It does, doesn't it? You I know, mean, just the, the, the pile keeps getting bigger. Yeah, just every, every time I turn around, there's another scandal. There's another, yeah. you know, uh, breach of, uh, you know, ethical conduct. Yeah. And, and they seem to be spending an awful lot of time in the office of the ethics commissioner. And, and I mean, just as, as a Canadian born and raised, that presents as a huge problem to me. And I'm sure it does to you. It's... 
we cast our vote, we need to be able to put our faith and our trust in that person that's leading the country. Uh, right now, I don't. I don't know that I ever did when it comes to um, Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, but holy cow, like I don't know how people can keep continue to support this guy with the mounting amount of uh, scandals, like you, the, 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 the ethics commissioner office visits like you referred to. It's just... You got to draw the line. Well, I, you know, I just got off the phone with Bob Bertina. He told me that that's kind of par for the course. I, I, I told him, I said, you know what, you, you, this, this government, this liberal government, has spent more time in the office of the ethics commissioner than any other in the history of Canadian politics. And he kind of, he kind of laughed and said, well, we're liberals, and yeah, and well, you know, like I, like I, the well, like I mean, that isn't that a statement? So that's okay. You know what? Certainly, certainly, so he seemed it? to think it was. I, I'd like to believe that it was, uh, you know, a joke, and I, you know, I wouldn't hold Bob to it. I'm sure he was just joking around oh no doubt but still the but, the, but the underlying truth is is that i really do believe that this this liberal government doesn't think that the law applies to them and it, it, it just at every turn there's what podcast brian calls the reek of you know stench yeah. of corruption yep he's you bang know. on he's absolutely correct well you know what considering that people were fired for 16 dollars glasses of orange juice on the conservative fence yeah. you know side i like i mean i honestly like that really was you know i i looked into it carefully and i've uh, been more more involved in politics than ever before uh, now, and I, I looked into it. I mean, Stephen Harper uh, was was very, very strict when it came to this sort of thing. If he saw anything that even remotely resembled, you know, a, a breach, gone. you know, of the public trust, yep, gone. Yep, he, he, yep. he crushed it, stomped it out, left it behind, and, you know, cut it loose, man. This this government seems to think that it's okay to hold on to anybody. I, I'm wondering where they're going to draw the line. Oh, no, it just it, it, it's an apology with this government. We'll just keep yeah. apologizing. Yeah. You know what? Oh, we, sorry, we, we didn't we, know. Oh, we, sorry, you know we didn't know. I, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, for the people that don't watch the parliamentary sessions, I get a real charge out of watching Justin Trudeau stand up there with a straight face and say, we've apologized. That's what Canada's expecting, and we did that, and we're moving forward, and we are going to continue to help the middle class and those working hard to join in and do our thing. And it's like, wow. Like, I mean, is that what we're getting? We're getting just apologies now? And I'm sure if I, in, in, in my line of work, if I, kind of neglected my class and decided to just leave them on their own accord and take off and leave the classroom and the kids unsupervised and somebody got hurt and I'm, I'm called to the carpet on and I say I apologize I don't think that would wash no no it, it wouldn't for anybody else no it right? wouldn't no and, and, and you know certainly in my 20 years of policing you know I, I learned that there were certain things that you should just stay away from and you know what just just bad news and an accident waiting to happen in terms of you know um, discreditable conduct charges I mean if you if you want to get yourself in trouble you know start taking free stuff you know do <laughs> you know do all kinds of things that maybe you shouldn't do and then sooner or later it's a numbers game it'll catch up oh, to absolutely. you well, well this government just seems to have this never ending laundry list of, of things that they're engaged in that are drawing the attention of, of the public and, and calling into question their integrity. I mean, like, where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I mean, I'm no sorry. Maybe, maybe once or twice, but I mean... And that's is, what I was about to say. Yeah. Like, you, you, it, it kind of... It's kind of par for the course with any huge administration with, that, that involves that many people. There's going to be some dick-ups once in a while. Sure. And, and I think that's just common where you get one or two, it's like, hey, but... When it's this many, like th those apologies hold no water. What do they mean? You know, it's, it's figurative. I, I, quite honestly, I wouldn't trust them right now to operate a toaster oven. I mean, I really don't <laughs> think that there's anything intelligent about the Liberal Party. Like, I mean, I almost want to believe that there's something more nefarious going on because nobody's that stupid. Like, I mean, I like really. Like, I mean, how could you be so dumb?
to get involved in some of the things that they've gotten involved in. Like get, getting is it dumb? Is there arrogance? Let's see what we can get away with and keep apologizing without yeah. being held accountable. Yeah, and you know, and Brian's of the opinion that you know we as Canadians just don't care, and that's the real problem. Is is that you know once upon a time, hundred years ago, they probably would have strung Justin Trudeau up from the nearest tree. I don't think that long, but yeah, yeah I see the you, point. Well, well, no, but like I mean, I've seen a real change in politics in the last you know certainly 10 years. I mean, realistically, once upon a time, a scandal of this magnitude would be a government ending item. Like, I mean, there wouldn't even be an investigation. People would just start resigning left, right, and center. Or is it growing demographic versus shrinking demographic of voters? You know, I, exp- explain that for our listeners, because okay. I, w- I would like to know a little okay. more about this as well. Okay, so the uh, is, is it potentially a growing demographic of... I don't want to throw terms around that make people... Retarded may... people that just accept no, anything? <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that at all. What? Uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, a term. Is, is it a growing demographic of voters that maybe between 20 and 35 or 40 years old that just come to accept those type of things and... Um, they're the they're they're the generation. What do you mean? Uh, except, I'm oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think you mean except unethical behavior. Except unethical behavior in terms of, okay, well they said they're sorry, so they must mean it, as opposed to actually uh, taking a stand against it with their vote. Well, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm old school s- versus new school. The the old school is, is potentially, and I don't know this. I'm just kind of throwing it out there for speculation. Yeah. Is the growing is the shrinking demographic the people that are old school that would that would would actually hold people accountable with their votes? Are they becoming smaller? So they're therefore they're less uh, uh, of a percentage of the overall vote. Well, I think there's I don't a, know. I, you know what? I I think I think you may have you know struck a chord with me anyway. That there's a growing number of youth that believe that yeah. you shouldn't be held accountable for your actions, and then an apology is any you know that's everything that you need to do in order to you know weasel your way out of you know being held accountable for your actions. So if there's a growing number of those uh, people out there that you know really don't think that anything beyond apologies are necessary, then I, I could see how that would be a problem. Of course, if the government is making these bad choices amidst, you know, uh, all, all these unethical sort of, you know, activities that ultimately end up costing these young people as they grow older uh, a lot more money in the long term, I'd like to think that, you know, they, maybe they just don't have the foresight. You know, they, they're just not able to see that far into yep. the future. Like, yep. I mean, like for all the kids out there that are listening that are under the age of 25, like, I mean, we have a government right now that is saddling you with debt that you will be feeling the impact of for the next, you know, 20 or 30 years. And what that means uh, for the average Joe is, is that, you know, you, you might be giving up a, a larger percentage of your paycheck, whatever you earn, maybe taxed, uh, you know, to the point where you're not really getting to enjoy what you should be. So uh, like what you want to. Yeah. Like, let's just say you could keep 75% of your income as opposed to 50. You know, like if you make, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, all right, and you should be keeping seventy-five thousand. But now, you know, you're only going to get to keep fifty, and then the cost of living is what it is, and the decisions they're making are ultimately uh, leaving people spending more money just on the bare necessities. And now you're left with, you know, five thousand dollars a year uh, to enjoy yourself, you know, as disposable income, as opposed to, you know, the the thirty thousand you could have been enjoying. And then, you know, and then what can you do with thirty thousand dollars? You can go on several trips. You can buy yourself a new car. You know. You might be able to, you know, there's a lot new, you can there, do with a lot you could do with thirty thousand dollars a year in extra income, you know, disposable income. But instead, it's going to be going towards projects like 
Oh, geez. Like, I mean, you know, initiatives that include making sure that, you know, uh, the bird watching committee is 50 percent, you know, uh, reflective of the gender that might be out there. I mean, like, it's it's bright. Like, I can't believe the <laughs> emphasis they're putting on, you know, gender identity politics and all this other nonsense. I mean, like, it's really important, folks. I really want everybody out there to know that I believe in equality. I was raised during the 70s and certainly, you know, I was raised the way I was. Uh, but I've always believed that people are equal, should be treated with respect and you know oh, there's, no there's there's plenty plenty of work out there that I truly believe women can do just as well as men but I don't believe in hiring people based on gender exactly. I don't exactly. believe in that and you know what and for anybody out there that at this point says ah he's a no. misogynistic no. right you, asshole no. I'm going to tell you this I am not I can tell you right now though that I don't believe that people should be most hired based qualified. on their gender most qualified now if, if you know what if that doesn't sit well with you and you think that it's a little too close to politically incorrect talk and you think that I'm a misogynistic jerk from the 70s, I'm going to tell you go screw yourself. Because Turn you know the what? channel. I, yeah, don't listen. You know, don't listen. Don't but, listen. But, I, but I, really like the, I really like the idea of people understanding that I, I believe that I'm fair and I always have been and, and then that's certainly the way I policed over the years. I was just as likely to arrest, uh, you know, people that called that were women as as, as much as I did men. Uh, I was an equal opportunist, opportunist kind of police officer. I'd arrest, I'd arrest you no matter what your gender was. I would give you a speeding ticket no matter what your color was. It, it never really mattered to me. I would tell people, I don't care if you're purple. It doesn't make any difference to me. I will do my best. And let me guess, you probably can't tell the gender of the person or the color of their skin when you're sitting behind them in a car and you're traveling down the road. That's pretty tough to determine a lot of times. Well, I would you know, with the exception of sacrificing safety, I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, you know what, I, I, like, I certainly over the years had my fair share of run-ins with people that, uh, you know, played that race card. You know, I'd, I'd walk up to the window, and I mean, it was really kind of ironic, because I mean, I, I was one of those police officers. I used to hand out uh, 30 warnings, uh, was my ratio, for every three tickets. And so I, I love giving warnings, which drove the bosses crazy because they really like to see tickets at the end of the day. And, you know, there's a whole quota. Oh, wait, well, you know, did, did, did you, did you use the Q word? Sorry. There is no such thing just, as a quota. Clear my this is, this, now, this is, now, this is the portion of the podcast where half our audience stands up and says, are you kidding me? Yes, yes. You're you you going to tell Dave to edit that part uh, out? Edit that part out. No, uh, you know what? I, like, I used to walk up to windows and, and, I mean, I remember rolling down a number. A number of windows would roll down. I would be walking up to the window and people would be screaming at me uh, that I had pulled them over because they were uh, a specific color, a specific race. A before specific, you had even said a word or addressed the concern. Uh, yeah. And it was like, and, and you know what? And I used to get a charge out of it. I, I, I wasn't smug, but I would look at them and say, I really don't care. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what ethnic group. I, like, I mean, I really, honestly, I, like you said, I can't tell from behind you. All I can tell is you're not wearing your seatbelt. Or all I can tell is that you went by me at 40 kilometers an hour over the posted or limit. And I just want to slow you down. You didn't signal your turn or whatever. Well, like, yeah, and, you know, and I would and I would try my best. There's accountability. Well, I, you know, what? I, and, and, and that was it. It's like if if you roar past a schoolyard at 30 or 40 kilometers an hour over the posted limit. I mean, if your dukes are hazarding off of these <laughs> speed bumps, and I decide, well, you know what? I'm going to pull you over to have a little conversation with you, and it's not going to be a pious, you know, high and mighty, you know, uh, holier than thou, you know, talk down to you conversation. It's going to be like slow down. 
You know, like think about the kids. Think about how things could turn around. I mean, I could, I could write you a three hundred dollar ticket, and we could spend some time in court. But I, like, I used to love giving people warnings and letting them know how much money I saved them. And I mean, truth be told, even as it related to criminal matters, I would always do my my best to keep people out of jail. Well, I, like, I, it's called community policing, is it not? Well, to an extent, you know, you, I mean, certain things, certain things you couldn't avoid, of course. Well, and I mean, yeah, I had, naturally, yeah. And I, and I had an obligation to make sure that public safety was always maintained. But I, but I really liked the idea, and I always, always maintained this that I considered it my job to educate people and to do my best to keep them out of jail if I could avoid it. And if they could meet me just halfway, just halfway, I, 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 would, I would do that. Give you something to work with. Yeah, but instead, though, at traffic stops, you know, you, you the three tickets I talked about, usually they were the people that would call me an asshole. I'd be looking to say, sir, you weren't wearing your seatbelt. And they'd be like two, two, five, and six-year-old kids in the back seat. He'd be saying, you're a fucking asshole. You know what? I'll see you in court. I'm sitting there saying, wow, you know, father of the year, eh? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. You know what? Like, and just hey, after you pay that that ticket, can you go and just register for the parenting court? Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I like, I, 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 I got to admit, I, I, policed, I policed the city of Hamilton, or at least, you know, I did my part, or at least I thought I did, uh, and, and I enjoyed it. It was a challenging place to work, and certainly a colorful city. I mean, you're, you're familiar with Hamilton. Oh, yeah, every day something new. Yeah, you know, you never get bored. To all the Hamilton coppers out there, yeah. God bless you. Yeah. You know what? I, I miss a lot of you guys uh, and girls, and, you know, it, it definitely is a place uh, in terms of the organization that does more with less. Uh, the Hamilton Police Service does quite a bit with the manpower Per people power that they have. Yeah, people watch your power. pronouns. People watch, power. Watch your pronouns. People power. I, I, I just, you know what? It's unfortunate that I, I feel compelled to do that, but I don't want to leave the girls out. And, and when I say guys, sometimes if I say guys, I mean generically, like guys and girls. Like I mean, you know, you guys. I don't want anybody jumping down my throat for that. I mean, I'm just, you oh, know, just what? settle down. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too old to at least modify my behavior. No, but I, I mean. <laughs> Settle down. Fair yeah, he's still. Coach has like, got a little coach in him. He's 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 my I conscience. Can't. He's keeping me out of trouble. Yeah. Well, you know what? Back to the SNC level of limb matter. Yes. Right? So so now we got her. She's lawyered up. She went and got herself a former Supreme Court justice. Right? As I understand. Yeah. Uh, not, it, not a run of the mill lawyer. No. You went to the top. She went to the top. She obviously tapped into some of those resources that she had available to her and got somebody good. God bless her. I really do hope they let her speak. Oh, so do I. Well, you know, the, not, opti the optics of the whole thing are terrible to begin with. Well, I talked about that with Bob Bertina. Right, I, the uh, optics are terrible. So it, it, the proverbial brown stuff hits the fan. Yeah. Uh, she resigns. It's, 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 it's okay to swear. We, we have a, I teach we, grade four and five. Okay, okay fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, so do, I'll do all the swearing for you both You do all of us. the swearing. Fine. So <laughs> she resigns. Lawyer's up. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, there's an emergency cabinet meeting. Oh, yeah. Gee, I wonder what that's all about. And then now, subsequent to the the day after the 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 emergency cabinet meeting, oh sure, we'll let we'll investigate that, but we're going to impose limits on it. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's like, come know, on. But yeah, you know what? We're we're only going to redefine the transparency we're, now. We're gonna we're gonna scratch the surface because what I'd love to know what their logic is. We we just we just don't think it's worth the time. What if there's public, huge public outcry? That's yeah. really what I want to Let's see. Let's talk to the public. Let's run a poll, see what the public thinks, if they yeah. should, it should be looked into. I like where you're going with this. I like the, you know what I like? I like the idea of, but I think it's going to have to be, we're going to have to pick and choose what media we're going to ask to run the run the poll because of that $600 million donation. We don't know if we're going to get legit results now. True enough. But you know what? You got to hand it. Uh, 
to the Washington, was it the Washington Post, the Globe and Mail, the Globe and Mail. Uh, you know what? Like they haven't let this thing slide. I'm kind of surprised. I'm not. I'm not because the you Globe know what? And Mail? No, you know what? I, well, I am and I'm not. You know what? They set aside six hundred million dollars and they're holding it in their hand like I, like it's, it's the carrot. Sure, uh, it is. not everybody has to dive for it. And quite honestly, I, I'd like to see one of the major media groups come away from this with their integrity intact. You know, like, I mean, like if you're a major media outlet, you don't want to be CNN. Nobody, be, nobody believes no. CNN anymore. No. I remember when CNN was gospel. If it was said on CNN, it happened. It's real. That's, that's the way it is. Now it's like, nobody wants to believe shit that comes out of their mouth. That's right. And you know what? Like, I mean, what, what an absolute joke. If you can't believe a major media outlet like CNN, you know, like, well, what's left? Well, isn't it? We have the same thing up here. It's called the CBC, isn't it? Yeah, we have the CBC. It's kind of it's the Canadian equivalent, isn't yeah, it? It, it? It is. It Sorry is. for those people who listen to classical music on the CBC in the morning, but I'm just referring to the media <laughs> aspect of that. So well, continue you know, but, to enjoy. But, but but some of the major media outlets have come out and and they've begun to throw stones. I mean, they, so let's they, see who sticks to their guns. Well, you know what? I'd like to believe that uh, anything less would be viewed as uh, you know. Uh, these media outlets would be viewed as having no integrity whatsoever. Well, conflict of interest total, if you got that money there. Total sellouts. I mean, like, you wouldn't want to be that. We wouldn't want to be that group. So, I mean, they're, they're really calling into question uh, the way this thing is being handled. I don't blame them one little bit. I mean, I think I think Canada wants complete transparency. I, I spoke to Bob Bertina, who's a member of Parliament, about this just uh, just recently. Yep. And, and I said, you know, we need an objective, uh, impartial, and thorough uh, investigation into this matter. I think it's going to involve the RCMP. I think it should involve an independent body. None of, none of this. None of this. We're going to have a panel of like you know six or eight people, and half of them are going to be liberals, and the other half we're not quite sure about. Like it, it's kind of like the gun lobby panel. Yeah, it, I was just going to say it's like the advisory panel uh, to for the firearms. Sorry, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the fire. The, you know, that, like I mean, they filled it with anti-gun community members. They filled it with people that don't know much about guns or that were already biased to begin with. Or we're already biased to begin with. Like, I mean, what, like, how ridiculous is it? Like, I mean, like, you So, like, why even bother, tra like, talking transparency when that's the situation? You're not going to get transparency. Yeah, because because it seems to Stack me... Stack in the deck. It seems to me that the liberal government loves to, like, pretend that they're being fair. Pretend like they're having discussions when, in fact, all they're really doing is talking at people. Like, I mean, I've been I've been, I've been, been to these town hall meetings. They're not having discussions. It's, these called, sm it's called smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I know. But, like, I mean, people got to know... Put on the impression. People got to know what's really going on there. I mean, they have agendas. They're going to they're gonna drive, you know, the, the, the public towards, uh, you know, trying to support these things. Things, and and I'd like to believe that the public's seen right through it. Like I mean, the the firearms issue. Like, don't even get me started. I it's become, oh, yeah. well, it's abundantly clear that you know the the legal firearm community is not the problem. So you get these two distinct groups. You know, one 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 always behave themselves, and one never behave themselves, and only one actually acquires their firearms legally and have them registered and jumps jumps through the appropriate hoops. Yep. And maintains a lifestyle that allows them to Keep the continue license. with that yeah. privilege. Yeah. Right. And yet, and yet, and the other, and the other one, they obtain their firearms illegally. They, they have nothing to do with the they laws. They commit crimes with their they firearms. They commit crimes with their firearms. I mean, like the, the, the running joke is, did he get his ATT when somebody does it like a drive by yeah. with, yeah. A, you know, an illegal handgun? I keep on seeing, you know what my favorite is? They keep on talking about 50% of firearms being domestically sourced oh, they, you know, so... that are involved in violent crimes. You're going to make I mean, me swear. No, no. But I mean, every, everybody knows that that's an absolute joke and it's nowhere near reality. Are they but, including pea shooters? 
in that and straws? Oh, and yeah, well, like, what the 50, well, the, the 50% was, was proven, proven to be completely untrue. And then, of course, it's something more like 12%. But of that 12%, they're actually mostly pellet guns, BB guns, air guns, airsoft, paintball guns, and, you know, everything but, a, you know, elastic band wrapped over your thumb and forefinger. A picture of a gun? Yeah, hey, picture, a picture of a, of a gun, gun right? You know, yeah. So, like, I mean, in reality, it's something closer to, like, 3%. Actually, you know what? Like, they talk about straw buyers. And, I mean, you, you hear Billy Blair keep making reference to, you know, the, the domestically sourced firearms. I mean, the truth is, is that an independent study was done and that only that only 1.6 people a year over the course of the last, like, 13 to 16 years have been charged with, you know, buying firearms uh, in, a, in a legal form and then selling them illegally as straw buyers. 1.6, not even two people a year are engaging in that activity. And when I say, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there saying, if there's just one, that's, that's too many. I, you know what? There's always going to be somebody that's an asshole. There's but always the going to be one guy that's going to slip through the cracks and take advantage of the system, all right? Which, by the way, is an excellent one. I mean, there's a reason why Canada has the lowest no crime issue. rate involving violence. I have no issue with having to take a course. It makes total sense. Yeah. Well, you well, want the privilege? Go take the course. Learn your learn your shite. Yeah. Almost yeah. said it. No, it's almost. Came close. It right? came close. But, but you know what, though? It's funny because they keep on pushing this domestically sourced angle. I mean, like they keep on talking about, you know, straw buyers and, you know, the, the fact that these guns can come from, you know, initially from legal, legitimate channels. But then uh, they show a picture of a gun that's never that's never been for sale in Canada because yeah. because it's it's doesn't meet their criteria because it it wouldn't it'd be prohibited. It, well, yeah, so you, clearly it's been smuggled in. Yeah. But they lead they give the impression that it was sourced here. Well, it couldn't have been sourced here because it's not for sale here. Well, you know, and, and people say, you know, banning guns. Well, maybe that's the solution, banning guns. I mean, and, and just to echo your sentiments, Coach Nick, uh, you know, like I, I see these firearms in, uh, you know, the crime photography uh, performed by the uh, forensics divisions of police divisions that, that show firearms that are seized in crimes. Okay, and they're they're firearms that, like you said, they've never been commercially available in this country ever. Every time it seems that a firearm is seized, a loaded firearm and some drugs, it's always the same thing. It's a little firearm with a barrel length that doesn't meet the minimum yeah. length requirements that's yeah. already banned. Okay, and and I and I love explaining to people that once upon a time the public was duped into believing that the government was doing something, something to improve public safety, and when they banned small barreled pistols, and what they said was is that these guns are constantly being used in crimes. We want them banned. They they didn't bother to tell the public that the ones that were le legally owned, the ones that were legitimately purchased through the proper legal channels were never the ones being used in the crimes. The ones that were, were because they were smaller and they were more easily smuggled and they were they were part of a community that has nothing to do with the legal firearm community in Canada. And so to see these guns continuously popping up again and again, and then even like, I mean, the last one that came up, I think it was Peel, they, you know, even, even the police said it's a restricted firearm. Meanwhile, I could tell from the picture that it's a prohibited firearm. It's never been okay to own that gun. That gun wasn't even manufactured or produced by any company or sold. until or sold any time before the bans took effect in the mid-90s. So, so you've got guns that are still coming in. You know what? Right back to the bare-bone basics, we as a firearm community want to see some change. We want to see public safety improved. We want to see 
things get better out there as it relates to gang activity and the criminal use of firearms. We want effective solutions, and and that's not what's being put forward. Billy Blair. I'm going to add common sense to that. Common sense. I mean, well, there doesn't appear to be much of that in the Liberal government, as far as I'm concerned. Certainly, certainly, uh, the proposed amendments to the Firearms Act, uh, you know, that are coming. Uh, Billy Blair's kind of approach to it. He he talks he talks that talk where he says we're exploring all options. Well, if we know that the legal firearm community isn't the problem, then why are you bothering to waste time over there? I say every second that you waste on me is another second that could be more productively managed over there dealing with the problem. Or, or yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? Then absolutely. Why, well, then you know what? Let's do our best to vote these idiots out of office as soon as possible. All right? I can't wait for October to come around. I mean, how much time have they got left? What are we, what are we looking at we're here? In, right? Where are we right now? What, eight months? Right? Seven yeah, months? Eight months. Eight months. Clock's ticking, boys. Eight months. Talk to your friends, your colleagues, your family, your coworkers, right? And and explain to them that it's not just about guns because that's no. I, well, I think a lot of people do that. I mean, people in our <laughs> community want to talk about firearms first because. They're passionate about it, and that's something that, that they participate a lot in. But, like, let's take the firearm aspect out of it for a minute. Yeah. There's a laundry list. Yeah. Without firearms, there's okay. a laundry list. So let's talk about it now. You know, carbon tax. Do you really think Do you really think that it's going to make any kind of impact uh, on the environment? Taxing people, right? People that don't have much money. I mean, they've been shipping money out by the you know container out of this country. People are already suffering. I, like, I mean, I'm hearing bad things about what's going on in Alberta. You know, people are having a really hard time. Ontario's been like that for years, you know, with hydro rates through the roof. I mean, people don't have a lot of disposable income. And yet, you know what? Doug Ford takes office, and all of a sudden, the gas prices just plummet. Like, when was the last time you saw 89 cents? Oh, I know. I love it. Costco, I love it. Costco's the best for I, gas. I, I, you know what? I look I look up at the sign, right, at the gas stations now, and I think to myself, I've been teleported back to the yeah. year 2000. Like, it's like, are you kidding me? And it was, it was, it was pretty, I want to say immediate, but it wasn't too long after. Oh, that he, wasn't because of him. If you, no. if you ask anybody a, that hates a, Ford, yeah. right, unabashedly just despises the man. It was man, a huge coincidence, right, that, what has, a coincidence. that has maintained the whole time. A dollar thirty-five suddenly became 90 cents, folks, yeah. and it's been holding. I mean, uh, you know what? Fluctuating gas prices aside, uh, there's there's a good possibility that that cap, uh, what is it, cap and trade? Cap and trade. Cap and trade tax. I mean, and, and, and if they're going to turn that around, we're going to be paying $1.40 again. And if they tack on more carbon tax, it's, it's going to get even higher. Like, I mean, I don't think people understand. Like, if you think things are tight now, folks, if you're if you're if you're pulling your belt, right, and making a buck last a little bit longer. I mean, if you're squeezing a penny so hard that you're giving the queen a headache, just wait until yeah. you see what comes next. Because I mean, we can't even get them to commit to how much it's going to be, how much it's going to go up, and how much they hope to expand. You know, this this carbon tax to to be applied to. I mean, like, we're not getting any answers. No, no answers well, at all. Ju- Justin needs another uh, another taxpayer funded trip. Does he, he not? A, a vacation? He, like, he needs a goddamn spanking, is what he needs. And, cool. uh, and, 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 and the CGV is not suggesting violence, folks. Uh, although nothing would please me more than to see somebody put Justin Trudeau over their knee and give him a good solid spanking. Because <laughs> you know what? I, honestly, like I mean, you you you, you know what? he deserves it. Uh, like I mean, he's a spoiled, rotten child. Well, how about in October we give them the political equivalent of the spanking? That's what I'm talking about. When I talk about Justin Trudeau and giving him a spanking, I, I'm 
speaking purely metaphorically, folks, because you know what? Wouldn't want to see them relieve me of my firearms license because I'm suggesting of putting Justin Trudeau yeah. over my knee and giving him a solid exactly. wall. Exactly. Yeah, no, no. But you know what, though? Like, honestly, I think that come, come October 2019, I am hoping for the biggest landslide victory in the history of conservatives. Because uh, conservatism. Hey, that's the word that I was looking for. Conservatism. Uh, can't get it out. Uh, you know You'll what? be fine. Well, you know what? I, I, clearly, I need another you know, bite to eat. I'm, I'm need starving. Something. I'm starving. I'm starving. And on that note, we're going to call it. An, uh, you you want to keep going? I have, you, a, you I, have a qu- I have a question for oh, you. you. Qu- we don't have to tackle it now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. But no. something I w- would like to discuss with you is this whole new group now of doctors banning guns. Oh that God. Movement. So based on that, maybe we can, we could continue or we could just come back to this. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll speak to it. I don't have a lot of knowledge on the subject. I understand that, you know, Tracy Wilson and uh, Rod Giltaka, the CCFR, have spoken out against what they've And they're seen. doing a great job. And I think, Rod, I watched a, a, um, a clip today and, Rod, there's going to be some kind in, of... Infosplainer video, one of those? One of those yeah. yeah. And, and Rod is going to be at, I don't know if he said in, at the Senate, but th- this group is going to be there and Rod's going to be there as well. And, and no doubt... Um, him and the CCFR will represent, you know, gun owners in Canada well to try and kind of get to the bottom of all this BS and these doctors and God bless them. They're, they they do a great job and they're highly educated. But because you are a medical doctor um, does not qualify you to be able to speak on or have or be a, qualify as any kind of expert with respect to. Firearms legislation. You, you know, you know what I you know what I find a little bit un, unsettling about all this is truthfully. <laughs> I really do believe that this current liberal government is all about the optics and how things look. And, you know, they want to appear to have the best and the brightest on the subject. It was part of their party platform, you know, that they were going to uh, discuss the matter of firearms with, you know, experts, including medical practitioners. And I think they already knew that they had some support. Uh, within that group. And I mean, there's always going to be, you know, some doctors that don't uh, like the idea of firearm ownership because, I mean, there, there's always the possibility of accidents and certainly, you know, people who commit suicide with firearms. And I mean, the, the, the numbers are small, relatively small, uh, especially when compared to the USA. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, there, there's always going to be, uh, you know, segments within that community that are not going to agree with firearm ownership. I also know some of, the, some of the greatest firearm lovers on the face of the planet are doctors too. There's some really, there's some big ones. I got a good buddy of mine. He lives, eats, and breathes. You know, gunpowder and ammunition. He loves his firearms. But do I think that they're qualified uh, to give evidence, uh, you know, in an expert capacity? No, I don't. Uh, I, but I do think, though, that the general public trusts doctors. I think that the general public... That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I think that there's an instant credibility, much like Bill Blair, who's the former uh, chief of police of Toronto. You know, he has instant credibility as it relates to the matters uh, connected to public safety because... He was Toronto's top cop. So to select a man for that position, you know, is is sliding in a little bit of credibility. It's called know? marketing. It, yeah, absolutely. It's called and, marketing. And, and, and well, they that- wear a white lab coat, so and they're smart, so they must be right. But the the part I don't get is, it, 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 and they've come out on. I saw a tweet somewhere uh, with respect to this group, and it, they came out and because people they were disagreed with. Yes. Label people racist. Oh, yeah. And label people misogynist. Uh, you know, like, oh, what kind what? of argument is that? Oh, because see, you, you disagree with re- me? Yeah. Because you disagree with an uninformed opinion, you're a racist now? Well, you know, crazy people can become doctors, too. 
You know, like when I say that, I mean, like, I mean, I've seen I've seen liberal party members that immediately jump to that attack. The minute you disagree with them, they call you racist. They call you bigot. They call you misogynist. They call you all kinds of things. The minute you disagree with them. You know, they'll flip over to you're a Nazi. I that mean, seems I love, like I love, that's, that's the liberal argument, counter it, argument it, it, these it, days. It is, though. But, I mean, isn't it interesting, though, that these this group of people that should be intelligent are tweeting these things? And, and you know what? I, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that I saw that. I just didn't look at it too closely because I just kind of dismiss it. I, I read as it soon, a couple times. It's like, are as, you kidding me? As soon as, as soon as I see people jump to that as their argument, I know that you got them. Right, like I mean, when they when they go, when you're you, a racist. It's like it's like, oh, uh, you must we must have just stumbled on a fact right, that you couldn't refute. And I understand well, now. Uh, now I'm a racist. Okay, well at least that tells me that I know where I'm going with the conversation. What, that's, yeah, and that be, I mean, when people start throwing those terms out, labeling, that means they don't have an an argument against. They got nothing. They don't have a lo- logical argument against. They, they don't have stat, stats that they can fall back on. They can't speak to it. No, it's coming. Their their argument is coming from an. A completely emotional, emotional place. opinion, emotional, absolutely emotional place, and and you know what? It's the exact opposite of what doctors. Emotion is not an argument. Doctors should doctors should not be entering into this discussion uh, coming from a place of emotion unless uh, they're educated. If they're well, listen, listen. If there's a doctor that's a gun owner, yep, and has had to go through the licensing process, then okay, hey. you have you have a bit of knowledge. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? There's not. There's you know. What? You'll never hear me dispute that guns aren't dangerous. You're never going to hear me dispute that they can be you know terrifically damaging if, if misused and which abused. can be applied to many right? other things we, in society. We, we, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we if we if we just compare numbers, I mean, I mean, if we look at we look at things like malpractice, right, and the number of deaths connected to malpractice. I mean, I have let's compare. Yeah, let's right? compare right? that. Like, to, let's ha- compare that to ha- gun well, deaths. I mean, I, I find it interesting that this group of people, all right, would come forward and say we need to do something about this horrible problem that. <laughs> takes the lives of, you know, a hundred plus people a year when compared to, you know, malpractice that results in death, you know, and is, is the direct result of some kind of, you know, poor decision made on a medical practitioner's well, part. Have to How be, many thousands yeah. of people die because of that? It doesn't even have to be death. It could be just their life is, it's a life altering experience now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, but God know, forbid the, that somebody dies. Well, they, well, they don't have to die to, to be, have a malpractice incident happened now their life is altered well what you know what why don't we discuss that first you know like i would sit down with a doctor and say okay let's talk about the 100 or so deaths that occur a year that you know what of those 100 or so deaths uh none of them are involving the legal firearm community i think we got one or two in there and you know what but by comparison uh and contrast we've got you know medical medical doctors that uh you know are making some poor decisions you know potentially at times and we've got this large group of tens of thousands of people that are impacted by it like i mean that why don't we talk about compare, that first? compare the percentages yeah you it's know if there's, if there's a real problem in this country why don't we talk about that first yeah well let's, let's deal with the bigger numbers i mean like i mean if we're, if people are being hurt in this country let's talk about the bigger numbers first and solving the much larger issues first and then work our way backwards i mean that would make sense it would and i think i think the the, the most common comparison is is drunk driving is it not when it comes to gun, the people talk about gun deaths. Yeah. There's all it's always involved and always comp- compared to uh, drunk driving deaths. Mm-hmm. And and I think the argument is, uh, well, if you're gonna if you want to abolish drunk driving, then take cars away from people who don't drink. 
Yeah, you know, I, I used to tell people, like, I don't look for speeders in a parking lot. You know, like, like I mean, if we have if we have reports of, you know, speeding going on in, in you know, one part of town, you don't park yourself in a parking lot and look for speeders there. Yeah. You know, you go to the areas where the problem has been identified. You target. You target the problem. And, and that just never Kinda seems like to those areas of, of the city of every major metropolitan city that have gangs in them, they use yeah, guns in commission it, of crimes? It's, it's always connected to the gangs and drugs. And, and you know what? I, I've, I've watched myself personally in my 20 years of policing. There, there was this uh, general aversion to admitting uh, ever that there was a problem with gangs and or drugs in, in the town. And, and, of course, there was one. Uh, at one point, a serious problem, and nobody wanted to admit it, not openly at least. And I mean, I don't know if there's an impact that has on housing markets or, you know, the, the marketability of the city, you know, when it comes to holding major events, you know. Like, I, I could see why you wouldn't want to announce, you know, that there's a real problem with your city. But I mean, to target the, the best group of people in the country, you know, by comparison, like, I mean, why would you do that? It, it screams out to me agenda, and I, and I hate that because, you know what, not only are you not identifying and tackling the real problem and improving public safety. You're actually targeting the best people in the country and giving them headaches they don't need. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what? And for those people maybe that have never tuned in before or um, maybe don't have a lot of exposure to the Canadian Gun Vault or what is required uh, to become a licensed gun owner or once you are a licensed gun owner, we are run through the RCMP database every single day. Every single day. Well, you can't you can't own a gun in this country unless you behave yourself. It's that simple, folks. You have an argument, but with that's you, fine. An and that's the way it should yeah, be. Yeah, you, you could have a, you could have a bad argument with your neighbor and still retain your license. But I mean, if you step out of line and threaten him, you can expect that you could probably have your license pulled and be relieved of your firearms. That's the way it works. And, and I, I right? don't think many have a problem with that. No, I don't. No, I, I don't have any problems with screening. I don't have any problems with certification. I don't have any problems with background checks. I, I you know what? And, and even the suggestion of more background checks. I mean, really, what it comes what down more to background checks. What, what they want to see what what kind of mutandi I'm wearing? Like, well, what's going on they, here? They're looking. They're looking. Like, they're looking. They're looking to expand the scope of the you know uh, investigations into people's lives to ensure that you know. And, and, and in some respects, it's not necessarily a bad thing. However, because of the direction we see them taking, because we see you know this clear bias that's being demonstrated by this government and the people that seem to be pushing really hard on the gun control issue, uh, you know, in, in in light of you know the broken trust that uh, has developed between the firearm. Community Community and law enforcement, which, by the way, you know, there's a lot of gun owners that are police officers. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, and for all the people out there that, you know, watch the Instagram page, uh, follow us on YouTube and Facebook, you know, I am always going to be a police friendly site. And you know what? There's a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, well, you know what? They're going to be the ones that come and take away your guns. Cops are assholes. You know what? You, you don't know how hard the job is. And certainly we've got a lot of firearm community members that are police officers. They only give police once a year annual training. And a lot of guys know that that is not enough to be proficient with your sidearm. And so they've gone out and got their own licenses. So there's a lot at stake here. we got a lot of gun owners in our community that happen to be law enforcement members as well. So maintaining maintaining those uh, connections, uh, fostering good relationships with the, uh, uh, you know, the law enforcement community, I think is really important, especially uh, if they're going to be, you know, uh, 
creating new legislation that may potentially put uh, firearms owners right in the crosshairs and and police officers in a position where they may have to relieve people of their firearms. I mean, uh, it's it's fraught with problems. I mean, if you were no to be yeah, if you're if you're going to be relieved of property without any kind of justifiable cause or compensation or compensation, you know, like if somebody, I mean, that, that applies to everybody. I mean, if the government came up to you and uh, you know knocked on your door and said, "I'm taking your car," and the, my reasoning, well, that somebody got run over and you know another province and they happen to have the same car and we've determined that nobody should be driving this car and, and that means you as well so and you'd be sitting and there by the way you haven't done anything wrong yeah, you haven't done anything but we're wrong. still going to take that from you and no, deprive you well, of that right and and that uh, opportunity to do something that you enjoy or use your car for whatever you want to well, use your forget, car for. Forget that you haven't done anything wrong. You've been an exemplary citizen. You, you've, you've always driven the speed limit. Even when nobody's watching, you've been an absolute role model, the standard by which all others are judged because you are constantly being watched as a fire motor, but, and yet still, uh, somebody's going to suggest that you should give up your guns or even worse, centrally, centrally storage them, to keep them stored at a centralized location. They, so, they keep on yeah. suggesting this nonsense. I'd like to know who's going to pay for that shit who's gonna who's gonna pay for a facility like i mean forget forget the gun clubs because you know what there's so many small gun clubs scattered all over this country that are just not suitable for storing firearms uh you know in in any kind of real capacity so where are they gonna keep them then well you know i imagine that they're gonna have to build facilities uh you know maybe maybe you know Maybe at uh, I don't know. Maybe at cops coliseum. They could they could just well, put a, they could just put a big padlock on the door yeah. because I mean there's so many people in this country that own guns. Like I don't know where they would store that many firearms. See, but now, I mean, now it's control because are you, do you have access? Would you have access to it whenever you want? Or, uh, well, or would you have access to it when they deem you well, can I'd have lo- access I'd, to I'd, it? I'd love to know how they're going to roll that one out if they ever decided to go through with it. I mean, like, who's going to pay for it? Who's going to man it? Do we do we even trust the people involved in this? Would you want all those firearms stored in one centralized and, location? And high, high gangs, here's where they all are if you want them. Well, you know, you could potentially build a bunker. You know, well, like, I, I you, suppose you, you, could. you know, like the armories uh, in yeah, downtown okay, Hamilton, you know, like yep, they, yep. you know, the armories, I mean, big bars on the windows and giant brick walls. And, you know, like if you want to get through a bunch of military members to get to them, I, I mean, I could see, I could see maybe how, you know, they might try and go that route. But then again, you know, uh, who have you got manning the place? Do you, do you have to check out your firearms to use them? Now, like, I mean, what's the point in storing them in a I centralized that, location? I like, see that being used as a means of control. Oh, forget that. I mean, like it's, 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 it's obvious to me that. Check Check in, check them. out, check they, in, check out. Yeah, sure. But I mean, you know what? Uh, then people would have to be in charge of checking them in, checking them out. Who would be taking care of them? I mean, who's going to be responsible for any damage done to these things as they go in and out? Insurance. You know what? Insurance. I, you know what? And who's paying for all this? I'm, I'm willing to bet that the taxpayers are going to flip the bill. No, wait. No, no, no. The Just gun like, owners. They're going to they're gonna yeah, ask the gun owners to flip. It'll be mandated, but we have to pay for Maybe it, too. Maybe SNC Level N can build the place. <laughs> hey, how about that? You know, engineers. It, it'll go, it'll, the contract, of course, will go to SNC Level N. Hey. Right? There will probably be some misappropriation of funds that have been you know routed into SNC Level N by the They're a big engineering government. firm. They could fire that up. Un, un, unbelievable, you know, where that one could go. I, like, I mean, I just, I, I mean, we joke about it, but the truth is, is that I mean, taxpayers having to you know flip the bill you know to, to centrally store you know firearms, it's ridiculous. And, and I don't want to depend on a tax, but I, I I can I'm very capable as as are you and as are all the gun owners I know, very capable and responsible enough to store it at home correctly 
and be done with it. Yeah. I don't want I don't want Buddy down the street that's maybe on a fixed income having to pay tax for something he's never going to be able to enjoy, nor maybe he wants to enjoy. I don't, that it's well, not it's you know I my, don't get that. My my theory is is they see the the incredibly large growing number of people that are gravitating. Million, gravi- believe, is gravitate. Well, it was only two million, you know, a few years back. I think it's I mean, two point five licensed. Well, no, yeah. yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. But like, I mean, I have never seen so many people flocking towards an activity before. I've never seen so many new people flooding well, into it. I don't think they like the number of people that are making applications for firearms licenses. I, I, I mean, we, you know, one of the local gun ranges that we frequent, um, there's when, when they hold their courses, the place is packed every every week. Every week without there's fail. There's a waiting there's a waiting there's list a waiting to get list, into yeah. the as a member of the club and I think there's a waiting list for to get to get your your gun license yeah. as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, so, you know, they can't they can't even keep up. The Chief Firearms Office, I love those guys. I feel for them. They're completely understaffed and they're totally overworked and in most cases completely underappreciated as well. Uh, the truth the truth is is that you know they can't even keep up with the number of applications that are crossing their desks. And and I really feel for them. I really do. They're good people. I've met a number of them. I've spoken to them on the phone, uh, you know, a thousand every times. time I've had to talk to them on the phone, it's been nothing but respectful. Great. They did transfers as I was on the phone. Yeah. I yeah. phoned it for a restricted transfer, talked to what sounded like a little old lady at that who answered the phone. Yeah. Great lady. Uh, explained the situation, put me on for two minutes, came back, it's done, you'll be getting an email momentarily. That's awesome. Like, well, you, you know, how do you argue with that kind of customer service? Well, you know, there are people that complain. Be uh, polite. Be respectful. Yeah. Understand their situation as you just outlined. And I think nine times out of ten, you'll get what you want in a timely manner. You know, uh, the good people at the uh, Chief Firearms Office uh, have, have never never failed to impress me. Uh, and believe me, there have been some times when we've had some disagreements. I mean, I, over that 50 Beowulf magazine issue. Oh, I, mean, we, I, had a, I, had a, I had a terrific discussion, if you want to call it that, with uh, one of the uh, one of the firearms officers uh, regarding, you know, the use of 50 Beowulf magazines and the number of rounds uh, that should go into them. And, of course, you know, it ended with me saying, you're... I get it. You're you're the boss. Uh, you say I do. I like. I know what he's disputing that. But uh, like, I mean, your logic is flawed. I mean, you're telling me I can. He only was put... speaking within the confines of the law, not trying to get his arse well, in hot water. You know, I, I, I believe the term "corporate answer," you know, may have escaped yeah. his lips at some point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the, tr- the truth is, is that you know they want two rounds going in that 50 Beowulf magazine because you can fit, you know, uh, five rounds, uh, you know, I- into the magazine with a two round uh, capacity of 50 Beowulf equals five. Five rounds of five five six or two two three, but uh, if you put five rounds, if you've got a magazine that will accept five rounds of fifty bail wolf, it can now hold you know up to you know fourteen rounds of two two three. Even if you never plan on using it that way, and if it hasn't been marked as such, and if it isn't a Stan Ag magazine, it doesn't have any parts that are in common with Stan Ag magazines, and if it's a completely proprietary design that was only ever meant for fifty bail wolf, and I'm only going to ever use it as such, I don't see any reason why I can't, to the letter of the law, put five rounds in it. Uh, truth be told, I sought out some legal advice they told me no 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 you can do this well then I'm, I'm letting you know right now the FRT says two rounds so I'm not putting more than two rounds in that magazine you it never be, do it will be pinned it will be pinned to two rounds and that's what it's at and, and I'm, I'm quite frankly content with that because my shoulder my shoulder takes a beating every time I hey, those are two fun rounds they though. are fun rounds though I, two know, fun I, well, rounds. our American listeners are probably laughing their asses off at me right now saying two rounds huh <laughs> that sounds exciting yep. well anyway that's about all the time we have Coach Nick 
Thank you yes, so sir. much for being on the show. Right, shake my hand for a second, Absolutely. man, because I always love seeing you. All right, thank you for listening, folks. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight and stay safe. <laughs>